Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Kingdom 202, School of Prophetic and Supernatural Ministry. It's Wednesday night here in good old Manteca, California. I'm Pastor Lundzine Lee of Astounding Love, a Global Church Fellowship. We are actually located at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California. If you want to write us a letter, you can use our zip code, 95131. Our telephone number is 408-945-4439. And our website is www.astoundinglove.org. So what we're going to do tonight, it is Passover. So uh, if I say it um, properly, it's Shag Passaic Sameach, which is basically Happy uh, Passover to you all. And I don't speak Hebrew, which I think I just proved to you. Uh, <laughs> what we're going to do tonight is we're going to pray. We're going to have... Um, or topics I've asked people in advance uh, from our ministry which is Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship if they have prayer requests or questions things that they want to uh, to uh, connect us to then please feel free to email them to the ministry contact us at astoundinglove.org or you can contact Crystal Kemp who is our um, overall communicator you can text her if you have her phone number you can write your questions in on online there and we have uh, moderators um, on the team that will pick those up and send them to Crystal. So we have a few different ways to answer your question. If we don't get to your question tonight, then please understand uh, it wasn't on purpose. It, did, it does happen, but we will do our best to respond to you. Okay, so let's pray and let's have an anointed conversation that follows in the flow of Holy Spirit. This is my living room. And I don't know why I needed to tell you that. <laughs> there you go. Lord, I thank you so much for the power of your word and the power of your presence and the truth of your, of your majesty. Holy Spirit, I thank you that with all of the, the thoughts and the things that have gone on in the world today, that you are the person that we can settle in. You are our peace. You are our everything and I do I, I cast the whole of my cares my concerns my emotions my thoughts everything that would be a hindrance to you speaking and me hearing you I give the whole of those things over to you because your word says cast your cares upon him because you want them you want to take care of me and I receive an exchange your peace your goodness your mercy your grace the love of God Wow, I, I simply thank you tonight that that's the same thing that I pray over the people that are joining us, whether they're live tonight or they catch this on a rebroadcast, but that these prayers that we send forth are words that can settle upon lives and change directions no matter when it is spoken because your word is alive and it is spirit. It's real. Thank you so much for this day. We are alive. There are more people alive on the planet than there are dead from any kind of sickness or disease. And even as there has been panic and all of the things, the fears that people have entertained over the last few weeks or months, the truth is there are more alive than there are that are dead. And so we thank you tonight that the, that the fear of, 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 of an invisible thing diminishes in the presence of the love of God and the assurance 
that God is for us and not against us. We do, however, pray for the families and for the, the survivors of those that did succumb to whatever kind of sickness or disease, whatever kind of uh, um, bone issue, heart issue, cell issue, mind issue, whatever the thing is that has caused individuals to depart the earth. We pray for those that, are, that miss them. We pray for families, for husbands and wives, sisters and brothers, children, cousins, what have you. I pray for family members tonight, those that have, have had to say goodbye to someone unexpectedly, saying goodbye to a friend and they didn't expect it. That the spirit of grief does not get to take hold and eat away at the peace of others. That they do mourn and we speak comfort into their lives. We don't take these things lightly. We don't, we don't disdain human emotions or, or any of the things that are going on, Father, but we do release your compassion and your love and your ability to heal and to deliver and to change the outlook of others, that they do not kneel, their, uh, bow their knees to fear or to torment or to any other thing but that the remembrance is there that our God is greater, our God is stronger, and you do prevail in the lives of us all. And so I thank you for that in the name of your son, Yeshua, my Jesus. Amen. All right, so it is Passover. It has already begun in um, Israel. Seems like I'm kind of out of a internet connection so I hope everything is is good with the broadcast tonight bear with me just a second I wasn't expecting that so let me um, get myself an internet connection how about that thank you Lord uh, okay all right now let's see what happens sink baby sink okay um are there any questions or prayer requests for us before I get started um, I haven't seen any yet. okay that's that's good that's good so let me tell you a couple of things. I send out an email. I send out, uh, I most of the time now, send out an encouraging word or just a, a um, an exhortation to the people that are a part of our ministry. And today I had, I had been rolling around, or what has been rolling around in my spirit, in my mind for like the last week was the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And people that are part of this ministry know that I am really uh, gung-ho, Merry Christmas, uh, Christmas song person. I really, really like carols and, and songs and things of that sort. And so uh, I opted or I was prompted today to look up the meaning of um, one of the Christmas carols, the, the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? And one of the things that I found out, I didn't know this, was that the song actually was written in the 1960s and you'd think it was probably written in the 1800s or whatever time that people were singing carols and, and Coventry songs and things of that sort but it turned out no it actually um, was in the 1960s and it was written in response to the Cuban Missile Crisis at that time and this was a new these were people that were living in New York and it was that the gentleman that wrote the song, he heard the words. He was feeling in despair. They were like, is the country going to go to war? What's going to be happening? And all of a sudden he heard uh, about the voice in the wind speaking to the little lamb, said the night wind to the little lamb. And when he heard that, he went home and he, he was a, actually 
uh, a, a very successful song uh, composer and with his wife he normally writes the music or composed the music and she would write the lyrics but in this particular case he had the lyrics and he asked her to put the music to it and this is a song that became famous when Bing Crosby sang it and then it, it just went on and on but he said that the thing that was interesting is many people have adopted the song as something to sing not realizing that it was a prayer for peace and that was one of the reasons why I sent that out and I sent the links and all the other kind of stuff like I typically do that it was a song that was written in an era where there was turmoil in the land and where people were feeling very confused and tossed back and forth and they were feeling lost sometimes or in fear or in despair and all of these different emotions that are more from the negative um, um, air, uh, realm were attacking them and the, in the midst of that he said he was walking down the road in New York City and he saw or a street I should say and he saw two, two women, two mothers pushing strollers and he saw the little babies and the infants I think he said waved at each other and it changed his perspective. In the midst of all of the talk about death or talk about threats of death and all of these others, he saw new life and that new life sprung hope on the inside of him. And he wrote what I think is one of the most beautiful songs um, that is celebrated generally in December. Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you hear what I hear? And I could hear the spirit of the Lord saying to me, do you hear what I hear? Are you listening to the voice from heaven? Are you hearing what I say? Are you hearing the words that will give life, spark new life into, into uh, individuals that have felt dead on the inside? Do you hear the season of resurrection life? And here we are at Passover. New life, resurrected life, the spirit of death being in all these places, but because of the blood that was put over the doorposts and, you know, and over the lintel, um, death passed them by. So that the, what we saw was that the presence of the blood, which is representative of the life, Dr. Baker actually mentioned this last night, that the, in the book of Leviticus, it says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And here it was that they had blood over the, over the roof, and, I mean over the lintel, and over the saws, death to pass of the blood, caused death to bow, could not penetrate the door. It couldn't go in, it couldn't enter. And here we are in the Passover season, which is all about that, that death will pass you by. And what will happen is that the life on the inside will remain. And when you come out of the place where death had been, you have a new life. It's a resurrection. It's a, it's a renewal, a resurgence of your life and your victory and your ability to move forward. And I think that is a very powerful message for us to pay attention to. Uh, the scripture is Leviticus 17.11. Uh, it will pass you by. This is the season. The prophets have been speaking and there are many that are talking about this is that time that you will see what the power of the blood is all about. This is the quashing, the squashing, the demolishing of these invisible, uh, I'm going to say vipers, that have been biting and nipping at people and bringing their poisonous poison to bear and causing individuals to despair. People have been affected by an invisible um, thing just by the hearing.
just by the room and you read some of the rumors that are written on online and it just gets dumber and dumber and dumber it's like no this is not true that cannot that's not so well I heard this and this many people died and I heard this and this is what happened panic has caused fake news and lies to perpetuate the hearing of people including those that are born from above and so I have to ask us as the body of Yeshua what it is that the Spirit of the Lord is saying do you hear what I hear or do you hear what another voice is saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? Or do you hear something else? Are you who and whoever you're hearing, you're also speaking for. Who are we speaking for? Whose words are you uh, sending into the atmosphere? Whose words are you promoting? Whose agenda are you pushing forward? Fear. Some I've heard this said, oh, fear can be healthy. I say respect for dangerous situations can be healthy. and But the fear of the Lord is where our health and our strength come from. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come by way of the fear of the Lord. But the fear of the spirit of the world and the fear of what the world is doing will cause your very progress and your life to be eaten, to be devoured, to be um, sucked away. And it's time. And what I believe we're going to talk about or what we're talking about tonight to pump some new juice into that and to uh, encourage you in the fact that you are alive. And what's even greater is that Jesus is alive and his blood is the blood that is like, listen, and you will hear the sound and the testimony of the blood of Jesus speaking life, resurrection, forgiveness cleansing, wholeness, healing, soundness, all of the things that his voice testifies of for us and for whoever will come into it. And if it sounds like I'm kind of giving an invitation to come into the kingdom of God and to receive the fullness of what the blood of Jesus gives you, yes, of course I am. And I'm going to always invite you, if you don't know our Jesus, if you don't know the true Jesus Christ, not the cute little guy with the long blonde locks that looks kind of sickly and poor and just gently floats around with lambs. That's not who I'm talking about, but I'm talking about the one that caused sickness and disease to flee from him, caused demons to bow, that caused um, those that were uh, dead, he raised them up, that every time he prayed or every time he laid hands on someone or every time he spoke words of life, to people they received that he never ever failed he only thought the things that God thought he only walked in the things that God said to walk in and he therefore got results that it was like well that was Jesus sure is and it's the same Jesus that is alive on the inside of us still looking to do the same things he forgave people out of shame a woman that was thrown naked on the ground um, betrayed by the man that she was with as well as the people that apparently were peeking through the door to catch her at just that opportune time to pull her out of her home or out of wherever she was and throw her on the ground naked and ashamed in front of Jesus. That's what it feels like when your sins are exposed. It feels like I am naked and I should be ashamed of myself, but not when you're in the presence of God because you see in the presence of God there was forgiveness. In the presence of God, there is restoration. And in the presence of God, there is that moment when he lets you know, 
I don't condemn you. The others condemned you. The ones that threw you out, the ones that threw you on the street, the ones that betrayed you, they condemn you, but I don't condemn you. I came to forgive you. I came so that you would have life. I came so that you could come out of that thing to pass by the way of my blood and to have a different life that you can go from this moment on and you don't have to walk in that sin anymore. You see, that's what he did. He said, receive what I have for you, and then you can have what I have for you. Isn't that something? As opposed to all of the religious ideas that we have about you have to be such a good person. God help you, because you know what? You can't do it. You cannot be a good person um, in your own strength. You can try to do good stuff. You can try to... to um, you know the right thing and I've talked about this before because I was definitely a performance-based Christian and I was truly one that was like okay I just got to be good I came in on the behavior modification salvation plan which doesn't actually exist but I thought that it did I have to be good and then God will like me I have to be good and then others will like me I have to be good and then I'll have friends I have to be good and Jesus even said nobody's good but God God is good and you know you you receive the goodness of God and then you walk in the goodness of God and then the giftings of God and the presence of God and the love of God will flow through you into the lives of others. But it won't be your goodness. It'll be his goodness. That frees you up a lot from that performance-based behavior modification salvation plan that does not actually exist that you think that it does because it sounds good to the religious people. But I'm here to tell you it's a tough road to walk. It is a very, which is not to endorse, okay, since I don't have to do the performance-based behavior modification salvation plan that doesn't actually exist, I'll just go and sin, sin, sin. No, that's stupid, stupid, stupid. So no, you don't want to do that. You want to walk in something called wisdom and knowledge and understanding that all come from him. So having said that, that was a great introduction, was it? Um, somebody asked me, I've been asked this a time or two, what are you going to talk about on your program? And sometimes we actually have an idea of what we're going to talk about in the program, but that's so rare. And even on the days that we think we're going to talk about what we say we're going to talk about, we do kind of talk about it, but actually we talk about what the Holy Spirit wants to discuss because the whole point of supernatural ministry is to supernaturally and prophetically reach into the lives of other people and say the things that they have need of. And speak the things that God knows what you're going through. God does know and cares about what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, um, the torment or the attacks that are coming against you and all of those types of things. And so when we have com um, places like this or, or programs such as this, or I, I'm going to say it again, the Tuesday night uh, telling it like it is chat, really telling it like it is chat with our Apostle Dr. Baker or you come and join our ministry on Sundays, 9.45 and 11.45 for our Biblical Solutions for Life, where we actually go into the Word of God and we talk about the prophetic and the, and the power of Him because see, everything about God is supernatural. Then I think that you can start listening to the voice of the Spirit of God who really does want you to hear Him. I think that's our theme tonight. Do you hear what he's saying do you hear what he's saying to you or do you hear what others want you to hear do you hear the voice of perfect love or do you hear the voice of torment fear has torment um, perfect love has power over fear because the Bible says that perfect love cast out all sorts of fear 
So I think that it's smart to just keep picking him, to keep picking God, to keep picking what he says. Okay, let's switch over for a minute. I mentioned, and you, most of you know, it is Passover at this time, this season. And we know that the story and the account of the Passover or the first Passover is in the book of Exodus. I read a word from someone, an exhortation of sorts, that was saying that it's so interesting that for the first time since the first Passover, there is a lockdown that has gone on in Israel. And instead of them having the cedar meal as they would typically do with many multiple generations of family all gathered together, that at this particular time, it's only the nuclear, what they said, the nuclear families, or I think even the people that live in a certain house that are all gathering for the cedar meal. And so it's changed the culture a little bit from what they have become used to, to go back to the original of what God had said. And the thing was, was that the night of the Passover, what we call Passover Eve, or when they were doing what they were doing and preparing the bitters and the, and the, and the meal and all of the different parts of what they were partaking of, and God had given them reason for everything that they had, it was that they were preparing to exit from bondage. That was the point of Passover. You are coming, you, the death angel is, is come against those that have defied and, and are without protection. And this was going to be the firstborn of every household. This was something going against the Pharaoh himself. And if you're aware of what the, the 10 plagues are, you understand that that plague, that, that this, this death that was coming, and I've just kind of just scooped past all the rest of them to get to this one. But what this was about was that the Pharaoh was considered to be a god too. And so the, the, the judgment against with the blood in the, in the um, river and the, the lice and all of the different things, even the degrees of the plagues and things that were happening, that was not God attacking Egypt. That was God confronting the gods, the ten gods that the Egyptians worshipped that they look to for their commerce and they look to for, for the sky, for the, for the weather, for the, for the drinking, um, for, for the harvest, all of the different things that they would look to these different gods of, uh, for. And the most important, they would say the sun god, this is why the plague of blackness and darkness was so great, when it was such a darkness over Egypt, they couldn't see anything. And it was very fearful because darkness can be very heavy. And what happened is that that was going against what they, Egypt worshiped the sun. They called the, a sun God that they called Ra. But God said, oh no, God is greater. And you have to know, if you know your Bible, you know that when Moses and Aaron first went to Pharaoh and they said, the God of the Hebrews is telling you, or the Lord is telling you to let his people go. And the comment that the Pharaoh gave back to Moses, he said, I don't know your God. I don't know who he is. He said, who is the Lord? This is Exodus 5, 2. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. And so it was like, well, you're going to find out who he is, son. You really are going to find out who he is. Because when he said that, he's like, on your testimony alone, I'm certainly not going to let go of the best uh, work system, workforce that we've ever had in this country. No, I'm not going to do it. And so they said to him, verse 3, chapter 5, book of Exodus, that the God of the Hebrews has met with us. 
Let us go, we pray, three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. God didn't threaten them that way, but they like to add some stuff in there. So the king of Egypt said to them, Why do you, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works? Now what's funny about this to me is chapter 4 is where Moses and Aaron met with the elders of Israel. And they said, Okay. God has sent us with a true word because we have cried out after 400 plus years for the treachery and the promise that you gave to Joseph and we and Abraham that we would be released. And so now is our time. And they said, oh, this is good. This is good. He has heard. He has come. And so they said, all right, so we're going to go to Pharaoh and we're going to say this. And they said, whatever you see good to do, do, you do it. This is just, you did you make that up? Nah, I didn't make it up. Um, it's uh, Exodus chapter four. It says, oh, Aaron had spoken all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses, and he did the signs in the sight of the people. Remember the, the things that, that Moses went through or, uh, when God said, okay, do, he had the leprous hand, and he had the staff that was thrown on the ground that turned into a snake. And I still really admire Moses because God told him to throw that rod down, and it was going to turn into a snake. And then he told him to pick it up again. That's why I'm not Moses. You never would have made it. Because from the time I had to pick up the snake, we would have been done with the signs and wonders. I wouldn't have picked up the snake. It was just something that's like that just creeps me out. And But he did it, and it turned back into a rod. And so he taught Aaron these same things. And Aaron went and they did the same works. They did these miraculous works in the sight of the people. And so what happened is that the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel... And that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads in worship. Think about that. Exodus 4.31. God is for us. Excuse me. God has come to protect us. Oh, yes. You've heard God. Go for it. Go to that king, and you tell that king that God said to let us go. And so they go to the king, to the pharaoh, to the one that is regarded as the God of Egypt. He is the they think of him as the descendant of the son of, of Ra. And so he is a god to them. And so they go to this man that has this big huge god complex. I'm the god of Egypt. What are you talking about? And they said, Our God, our Lord, said to tell you and what the Lord that he he was talking about was Jehovah. And this is why is this important? Because that is the existing one, the one that says, I am who I am. And God had already told Moses, you know what I have, how I've introduced myself to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. But they never knew me as the God that I'm introducing to you. They did not know me in this power. They never had a need for the deliverance that you do. They never had a need for me to manifest in another one of who I am to them. But you are going to learn about me on a whole nother level. And this is the one that Moses is like, let me tell you that I am has said to tell you <laughs> that you need to let his people go. And he said, I don't know who your I am is and I don't care. Okay. That was basically the, the setup. And then he said, and since you represent, I'm paraphrasing, the people of Israel, evidently they don't have enough to do. Here they are going to try to send some cheeky guy like you to come and tell me how to handle stuff. Well, I tell you what, they need to work harder. So all this, I've made it so easy on these slaves. I've always provided everything. 
that they need to do what I want them to do. But you know what? Those days are over. I am not going to be so merciful to them anymore. They can go make, get the own, they gather the stuff themselves. They're going to keep meeting the production schedule, but they're going to have to add extra time to their work. They ain't getting paid anyway, but they're going to go. Now they're going to have to go and get what we, I had my people supplying that straw for them. No more. They're going to have to go get it themselves. And so what did, he said, this is verse uh, 9, Exodus 5. Let their more work be laid upon the men that they may labor therein and let them not regard this stupid stuff that this Moses and Aaron guy are saying. Well, you know that went over big, right? Yes, our God has heard us. We're for it. Go for it, sir. Tell that man to let us go. We're going to walk in the blessing of God. Our deliverance has come. And the first thing that happens after that straight up encounter, instead of Moses and Aaron coming back saying, well, here we go. We're getting ready to go. It's time to leave. They instead are told by the taskmasters, you little lazy good for nothing. It's going to come in here and try to get out of this work. Well, I'll tell you what, you're going to do some more. Now you're on your own. I don't know where you're going to get the straw. It's up to you. All I know is that you better fulfill your quota every day. And so the people of God said, uh, this is not what we agreed to. You were supposed to go to Pharaoh. Say to him what you said. Show him the signs. And he's supposed to believe it so we can get up out of here. But this is not what happened. Why did we trust you? Why did we even let you uh, out there? They said, the Lord look upon you, Moses, and judge you. Because you have brought extra work on us. You are not a good messenger. I don't like what you had to say. I don't like the way you do business. I want out of this agreement. That's basically what they're saying. And you, of course, can identify with that. Because you've asked God to do different things to open doors for you and so forth. And it seemed like, man, as soon as I said, God said that I'm going to get a raise and I'm going to get a promotion. And I got laid off. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, God said that this wonderful thing was going to happen and my car broke down. God called me to do thus and so. And this, this COVID thing started up and I can't even travel and go into the ministry. I just started and already I'm like five years in the hole from, from when I started. And, and just say, this is not right. Why, why, why didn't somebody say, God, I don't think God said this. I don't think God is in it. I don't think he is at all. I think this was your flesh. I think this was your idea. I don't see it because if it was God, it should have just worked smoothly. <sighs> Wait for it. Cause you know, you've been thinking that way. So now you have insight because you get to read this in Exodus chapter 5, Exodus 4, Exodus 3, Exodus 1. Did God or did God not tell Moses, show him a burning bush, tell him the things that he told him? Well, yeah, he did. But God did not tell Moses this other little technicality is going to happen before what did God hoodwink him? Absolutely not. I think Moses didn't ask enough questions myself. See, because I've been in these types of situations, not quite like this, definitely not on the scale, where I thought, I need to go back, not to re renegotiate, but to hear the rest of the terms. Because I'm evidently missing something huge here. But see, God, God um, let Moses in on the secret because in verse 22, chapter 5, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why has so much evil 
happened to these people? Anybody ever asked this question? Why is it that you sent me again? Because this is not the report that we were expecting. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Exactly. Pharaoh did evil to the people. God did not. And you, by the way, though, this is what Moses said, you haven't delivered them. Because it's supposed to be, bam, just like that. God said it, bam, instantly. We just cruise on out of there and keep on going. Okay. The Lord said to Moses, because he wasn't phased by that. He said, now you're going to see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he deliver. He will drive them out of the land. Why was it important? I'm thinking, you know, maybe you were thinking too. Why do you have to teach Pharaoh a lesson at my expense? <laughs> If you want to teach Pharaoh a lesson, why can't you get me out of the situation first and then go ahead and take him down? Let me watch it maybe. But why do I have to be, you know, a recipient of his meanness, increased meanness before you do what you say you're going to do? But nobody's asking that question. Some of you have probably felt that. I, I have thought those kind of things myself. But usually that's accompanied by a big pout and a wailing and a self-pity party. And so I don't hear God at that point. I don't hear what he's hearing. I don't hear what he's saying. Uh, God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I'm the Lord. And I appeared here unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them. To give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard, I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. So I'm going to say this to you so that you understand something. The children of Israel did cry out to God when they finally remembered but all those years in Egypt, they became acclimated to the ways of Egypt. They were just as much a part of the lifestyle as others. And they were sometimes prone to worshiping other gods. They did not necessarily know their own God, the God of the Hebrews, any more or any better than Pharaoh. They still heard it was still in the family line. I'm sure they still had elders that would be, or be able to promote forward to them to understand that this is the God that we belong to. But overall, you're talking about a generation of people that have chosen to worship where they will and have not themselves kept them kept themselves separate in in terms of their worship they were open to new possibilities and so it is for many of us they didn't know if their god could deliver them they saw the signs and wonders it's like this is pretty cool but as you'll see as you're reading through this story there were certain things that the egyptian um magicians were wizards were also able to emulate so supernatural signs were not necessarily 
a brand new thing to them. They'd seen things done from the, from the realm of evil and darkness. They're living in a land where these people can't even settle on one God. They got 10 that they're looking at. And so they're getting this influence all over the place. The reason that they were in the land called Goshen was because Joseph, their forefather, had their, their uh, forefather, for some of them he is, but Joseph, their ancestor, had negotiated to say, say that this is what you do because the Egyptians think that you're unclean. And he caused it to be that they never had to live in the general population. They were separate. They were separate. And remember also, even with Joseph, in the time that he was there, this would be about verse chapters 49, 48, uh, 48, 49, thereabouts, all the way to the end of the book of Genesis. Joseph, even though he was still a Hebrew lad or man, there were still things that he did in compromise in order to rule the way that he did in Egypt. So there was no purity, if you will, of we're a blameless lot. And so God just deliver us that we'll come to worship you. They didn't even worship him necessarily, not, not in mass the way that they were meant to as a people that had been set apart. And so here they are still, which was which has still been a, if you will, an issue for all the people that say that they are of God to determine that you will follow the Lord your God and him only will you serve instead of being caught up in all of the other things of life that we have been. And sometimes worshiping our children or our jobs or our schedules or our status or you name it, something else that you've put in the place of God. Your um, my I can't go to I can't serve God because I've got to go to work. I can't do. Uh, and I've heard Dr. Baker say this many times, never telling the sports people. My kid does not play ball on Sundays. We don't do these things. In fact, they used to have it on Saturdays. Uh, it, it, they used to have sport, school sports and things on Saturdays, Fridays and Saturdays, before the, the people started to fold and to just say, okay, because little baby girl, little baby boy is going to be very upset if they don't get to play the game. And so do you see a generation of children that don't necessarily know who the true God is, though they have heard of him because their parents kind of halfway serve the Lord and kind of halfway worship. Oh, we do worship God and we go to his meeting place um, when we can. But, you know, if you've got school or we've got relatives coming in that don't go to church, then we won't go to church so that we can accommodate the needs, the lifestyle, the whatever it happens to be. And if that hurts, okay, it hurts. But repent, change, you know, plan on changing this. Isn't it weird? You can't even go to the building. And for some people, it's like, well, now that you're deprived, it's where you want to be. And for others, it's like, I always want to be there. And for some, when they're watching stuff online, it's treated like casual. And others are like, no, I'm going to treat this as though I were sitting right there in the sanctuary physically because I'm there and I'm going to participate. I am in the, in the presence of God 
and I'm not going to get distracted by my video games or by my um, what's, what else is going on in the computer or what else is going on in the house and you know or uh, any of those type of things you finding out a lot I think about what kind of person you are and what kind of service it is that you really give to the Lord and in most of our cases or many of our cases I don't know who you are personally I'm not at your house I'm not uh, criticizing you or condemning you but I'm gonna say to you that it's time to take a good look at what you call worshiping God because maybe we're not hearing what he's saying because we don't actually regard him as holy or as the Almighty God and instead we may see him as uh, like I've heard many a uh, song a few songs not many Jesus is my homie no homie was a clown don't you remember that it's not Jesus Jesus is Lord <laughs> Jesus is Savior Jesus is a lot of things, but he is nobody's clown, my dear. No. Okay. Moving on. Let me know if I have questions, by the way. <laughs> I have a question. Okay. This is a good place to pause. What's the question? Okay. You have to talk up. This is Crystal's voice that you hear in the background, and she's not going to come on camera because she's not camera ready. <laughs> Oh, it flipped? Okay, you've already seen her. She was playing with the camera. And she did my hair, by the way, too. That's why it looks calmed. Go ahead. Please name a few biblical options that help a believer keep their deliverance. I love these questions. Okay, when we get to that, we'll come back to that. Let me stay with this because Book of Exodus is a good book. Yeah, it's about deliverance. This is this is what this whole Passover story is about, is how God delivers, okay? Um, if you're talking about other authors, clarify your question a little bit more for us so that I, I know what you're talking about. Um, okay, we can do that. All right, so he said to Moses, uh, uh, again in chapter 6, I want you, this is God talking, I want you to tell these people that not only have you heard of me or talked to me, I'm real. This was the main thing he was letting them know. I'm the one, I'm the God that talks back. And I want you to let these people know how real I am. And I want you to let these people know that I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage. You see, we keep thinking a physical bondage. But God is saying, I will rid you out of their mindset. I don't even want you thinking like them. I've made comments when I'm when you break up with somebody. Look, I don't want your skin cells on none of my stuff. I don't want your DNA, your fingerprints, your presence on. Give me back my sweater. Give me my coat. Give me my dishes. You know, give me my key. Give me my life. You, I don't want any part of you. And I don't want your thoughts. I don't want your voice. I'm deleting you off of my voicemail. In fact, I'm here. Keep this phone because you bought it. I don't want anything to do with you. Maybe you're not that rigid. I am. If it's done, end it. That's kind of my operation. So based on that, God is saying, 
I don't want you to have their stinky smell. I don't want you to smell like bondage. I don't want you to think like somebody that is in bondage. I don't want you to think that you have to earn your deliverance. I don't want you to have anything else to do with the slavery mentality that you have had under the power of Egypt. This is what he was saying. I delivered to the uttermost, not just a little bit. Let's just change your geographical location, but you can keep thinking as one that's locked up. See, that's that's how the world thinks, but that's not how God operates. God's like, to the uttermost, to the root, baby. We're going to uproot everything out of you. This is what true salvation is, and this is what blood, the blood of Jesus does. So he said, and I'm going to take you to me for people. So it was not just that I'm going to... Uh, deliver you out of their bondage. I will redeem you. Wow. With an out, with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, which is not God saying, I am going to condemn you. But instead he's saying, I'm saying every place where you've been pronounced guilty, I'm going to judge you and bring you into a place of forgiveness, into a place of salvation into a place of my love and my kingdom. I want to be your God, is what he was saying. I mean, this is better than all those old love songs. I'll be good to you, girl. I'll do, if I could have you, I'll do this. And all of the things that, that people, oh, I just love that. That just moves me, let me tell you. But God was saying it with no price attached to it. So, he was taking it on. And he said, "You, I will take you to me for people and I will be to you a God. That is a covenant vow. That is an exchange. I will take you into my bosom as mine and I will give myself to you. I will be everything that you have need of, meaning even things you don't know you need. I am the answer to every situation or scenario. I am your protector, your deliverer, your lover. I'm everything to you, your provider. I was telling Crystal earlier today. Um, we were uh, I I talked to different writers and things. Um, many of the Facebook people that I'm connected to are writers. Some that I know and some whose books I have that I, I've gotten to know a little bit online. And I had written to one of them that um, she has written one of her characters in one of her earlier books is to me like he was just, he had the elements of my idea of the ultimate hero. And so I wrote that to her and she laughed because she was saying, yeah, it's really cute. So I was sharing uh, a little bit of the book with Crystal to show her why it was that I said this. And someone would say, oh, it's because the person was good looking. Well, I wouldn't know it's a book character. So I don't really know what the person looks like because you know, when you read a book, you imagine for yourself what the person is. And I don't have that picture like that in my head. And so it's like, oh, is it because of the way his, he's described physically? No, it wasn't. What caught me in that particular character, though he was probably a big, strong guy, because, you know, they don't usually write in, even in romantic suspense, which is what this type of book was. The heroes are typically kind of good looking as opposed to mm. uh, being like stick people or something. So sure, I'm sure he had all of those qualities, but that wasn't what drew me. What it was besides the fact that he liked donuts, <laughs> was the fact that this giant of a person was gentle. 
And that drew me, the gentleness, instead of all of the other things that you can be, this was beautiful to me. And I told her, I said, see, that's what drew me. I said, if I had been there in the time of Jesus of Nazareth, I would have totally fallen in love with him because of the gentleness, not the and the meekness of his character, not the wimpiness, not the not the spineless thing. He was none of that. But the command that he carried, that he didn't have to muscle it in, though he had the build, I'm sure he was a carpenter, so he had the physical strength to do. But the thing that draws me to Jesus still, even though I'm not in Nazareth here in 21st century, I'm totally, totally, he's, he's the one for me because that gentleness of character is part of his strength and he can exhibit the strong arm when necessary all the time that he is doing my deliverance he is keeping me safe wow take a minute <sighs> and let's just do it one more time Woo! that's a hero and I get all starry-eyed over him because he loves us that much. He honestly loves us that much. That's what shedding his blood was all about. Gentle, but strong, you know? He's the ultimate hero. He is the hero. And I felt like, well, one day I will marry, but if dude's not carrying gentleness, don't even show up because, you see, that's a quality of Jesus that brings healing to my soul to my spirit every time i think about the gentleness i just want to what do you want me to be lord what do you need because i'm responding to care i want you to understand i'm not just telling you a silly a story about myself i'm telling you that that is a quality of the lord jesus christ that is so attractive that is so true and real and it is constant he is the lion he truly is he is the lion of the tribe of judah he is fierce he is awesome he is holy he is strong he is gentle he is loving he is kind he is always victorious he has no fear he is the ultimate hero not even superhero, but the hero of all mankind. And he is undefeated in his ability to rescue and to deliver. And if you're listening tonight and you don't know him, I am telling you straight out, he wants to deliver you. He is the one lover I know that will look at you and say, I want you and you feel clean when he says it. Okay. So, here it is, Moses is going on and he's hearing from God and now he has to go back to Pharaoh and there are all the showdowns of this and that's where the, um, where the fight just really starts. It's God showing himself saying, listen, Israel, okay, not just Egypt, listen, every single one of these demonic gods that they're bringing forward or trying to bring to your attention, God defeated them. So, because remember, again, like I said, Israel was used to this. They were used to um, the presence of, um, uh, what is that one that I'm thinking of here? 
uh, here we go. The one that, that they called the water turned to blood and uh, the, the, that was duplicated by, by the Egyptians. So here it is, this God named um, the spirit of the Nile, Hopi, or um, Osiris, because Nile was the Nile was his bloodstream. That's what they said it was. But God said, no, what you think is so the source of, of, of all the strength and all these different things, I cause it to be so polluted, even the fish would die in it. And that sweet water, that water that you thought was so precious, it started to stink. It gave off a putrid smell because that's really what it smelled like in the first place. And then the one with the frogs, what was so important, see Egypt had a, a idol, a god that had the body of a woman, but the head of a frog. That is ugly to me. And um, it was the frog goddess to Egypt. And that was also Hopi and or Hecht, Hecht, H-E-Q-T. And it was supposed to be this this um, fertility and, and all of this other kind of stuff. But the but God showed, no, the frogs will fall dead. And it just went on and on, every single one. Then the, the, the magicians were able to duplicate a couple of these things. But the lice they couldn't do. And that was speaking to um, the God that they called the earth God. But the lice came from the earth. And so that earth, it showed the contamination. And that, that these things that they were worshiping that came from the earth. But that the earth without God was not going to bring forth anything good. You see, and so, and then it just goes on and on with the flies, which also identifies the Lord of the flies, but, but God is the Lord of all. And this is where he started separating Egypt, uh, uh, his people from there. And then where Moses started to just speak and things started happening. And all the time, Pharaoh, first of all, Pharaoh was like, I don't even know who your God is. But by the time they got to this one, he's like, uh, he's like, okay, speak to your God. Go ahead. Because see, I, I, I'm start, he's starting to acknowledge that God has a power because he's taking down the gods of Egypt one by one, one by one. And so finally, they get to where death is coming. And Pharaoh had said to him, I've had it with you. Get out of my sight. The next time I see you, you will die. You know, he said, if I see your face again, you will, uh, that will be the last time you see my face because you will die. Moses simply said, you are right about one thing. You speak well on this. You will never see my face again. So that's a head-on type of thing. And the death came to Pharaoh's firstborn and to many of uh, the others. Now this is where I got to, I went all the way around, come back to this. Remember, they thought of the Pharaoh as the Egyptian god, the, the offspring of, of the sun, or the, the S-U-N, called Ra. They thought he was the S-O-N, the son of the sun. The, the, this, this living God that was right there in their midst. But the true God brought darkness into the land. And it was the darkness that was felt. It was so heavy. And then came the death. And with the death of the firstborn, um, where he said, um, but the blood, say the life of the blood, see, uh, protects this flesh. This, this blood protects. And this death angel will pass over. And at the time of Passover, prepare to be delivered. Prepare to leave this sin. Prepare to leave bondage. Prepare to leave the places where you have been so trapped all this time. Because God has given the blood mm. as the, of the lamb as the sign of your deliverance. Mm. That's awesome. Glory to God.
Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Do you see what I'm saying? I just think it's like, I can just, I'm not trying to add to it, but as I think about it, I go back to those words that the Holy Spirit said. Do you hear? Do you hear? Are you listening? What do we got? How can we communicate that strength of Jesus to others who see him as weak? Because they hear from other gods. Well, what did I just do? Did it get communicated to you by what I just said? Okay, I'll just look straight at the camera, but, you know, because you tell it. Yes. Well, that's what you do, sweetie. You tell it. We show it. I See, I honestly believe it, and I think that maybe that's the first answer. You got to believe it. You have to believe it. Do you, whoever you are, and that's, I ask that question to those of you that are listening to me, but I also, that's the question I ask myself. Do you believe this? Do you honestly believe that God is greater and stronger than the devil? And I emphatically will say, yes, I do, because I keep seeing it. Well, what about in your own life? You see, my testimony of the goodness of God will cause others to shift and tilt their heads even to say, tell me more. Because the testimony of our deliverance is the authenticity um, that we speak, that, 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 that carries, it carries the strength, the force of, of, of what we're saying. God delivers. He really does. And I think that the weakness, maybe uh, this helps, that many believers exhibit is the reason that the world doesn't necessarily believe that God is any stronger than any other God. Because People talk, we talk about the habits we can't break. We speak exactly like the world, like the people that don't know God. I don't know if we do it intentionally. Everyone is different. But when you're tired and you feel beat down and you lay down and give up, you're not, you're forgetting what 1 John 4 verse 4 says. You are of God, little children, and the greater one lives in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So stir him up and let him show his strength. I can talk King James here. Show forth his strength and, and bring it out of you. You know, if it, he's really just that good. And you can't convince me that he's not. I, 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 I think about what the world has been going through. I've missed a lot of it because I won't feed on it. In the, I don't feed on how many people have died. I don't feed on all of the, 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 oh my gosh, you go out there and you see what fear is doing with all of these people masked and gloved and, 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 and all of this other kind of stuff 
over something invisible. When the invisible God has the power and the invisible blood of Jesus has the voice to move this stuff away from us. But people keep saying that they're afraid that they're going to get it, that they're afraid of this and they're afraid of this. And they open doors through their own words, not knowing the power that they have to give an invitation they don't mean to give to things that they do not want. And then they feel a sick form of vindication. See, I told you this was going to happen to me. Well, why wouldn't you tell me you weren't going to get it? Why wouldn't you say that your household is protected? Why wouldn't you say that the greater one is at work in you. Why wouldn't you say what Psalm 91 says? Why wouldn't you emphatically impress it? You don't have to preach to people. You let your life be the testimony of the goodness of God. We don't have that disease because we will not take it. Well, you better be careful about saying things like that because you never know. You could bring it in. No, that's an old-fashioned demonic belief system that says that if I say that God is stronger than the devil, then the devil's going to prove me wrong. And I don't buy that for a minute. Yeah, I'll smile too. I get a little fierce about this stuff, you see, because um, and I, just, so, I, I so much just want to be gentle. I want to be just like, and I am to a certain extent, except for when I'm deadly. And I'm deadly. I'm lethal, as if you will, when it comes to this word of God being confronted by the demonic. And I'm not going to stand for it. Or you better believe I'm going to stand for the word, but I'm not going to stand for the devil. And, and when I catch a spot, oh, are you saying that you're perfect? You can look at me and know that that's not true. No. But where I find a weakness where I find my God, I've been bowing, I've been bending my knees like I was getting ready to bow to uh, hurt feelings or, or being on the, on the defensive all the time or um, uh, succumbing to, uh, oh God, we're stuck at home, so I guess we're all going to gain lots of weight. No, I'm not. Um, well, we're, this is going to, no, it's not. Well, you, you know, this is, no, it's not. <laughs> You, that voice in the wind, uh-huh, you're the voice that's daring not to go with the crowd, okay? I am not anticipating for the astounding love of Global Church Fellowship people to be twice the size that they were when they, the last time I saw them. They are not, we are not filling the blue seats by being double wide. Y'all got that? We are not going into the double wide congregation. Wow, it looks like a lot more people in here now because everybody's gotten fat. I don't expect to see that. Not this church, not these people. You know why? Because I believe that I am blessed to be in the midst of a people that choose to believe God over and above the things of darkness. I believe I'm with a group of people that is not afraid to speak what God says, even when they got the rest of the family going, oh, please, please, don't, 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 don't die from, I'm not going to, and you're not either. I believe that I'm with a group of people that I, I, I'm honored to be a part of the, the ministry team that shepherds and, 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 and teaches and interacts and gets to pray with a group of people that are seeking God above and beyond uh, succumbing to these things. 
That's what I believe. And I, 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 it's what I say because I have faith in the God that the people I go to church with believe in. I have faith in him that they just keep staying on course. And even if there's a moment of falling, that we get back up again. That's who I, I'm speaking to you specifically, Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship, and to you more than enough ministries. This is what I believe about you because I'm privileged to listen to you, to talk to you all, or, or whatever the conversations that I've had with you all since the last time we actually were face to face. And I keep hearing life in your voices. And I keep hearing joy, even in the midst of sorrow. And I keep hearing you reaching and reaching and reaching for the word and insist and you I see you still give and you give and you give because that's the people that you are and if you're not a part of a church I'm here to tell you these are the people you want to be around the folks that in the time of a crisis will not fold hey that's astounding love yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> you see crystal's doing it too I don't I don't know how to do that dance thing yet so that's my best <laughs> any other questions did that answer the question for some for, yes, that answers okay the question. did i get any astounding love people testifying that y'all wanted them y'all better not not say that <laughs> okay am i right about astounding love that's what i think about the folks crystal what do you think you can talk loud enough for them to hear you yes yeah because I've taught, I get to do Bible studies. Um, I do one-on-one -on -one Bible studies with a few different people from our house. And um, we do FaceTime or Google Duo or Zoom, something. And um, I'm telling you, I've been learning so much from it. At this time, it's three different women. And I, I'm, these women are tough. I, I'm just here to tell you. They're going after the Word of God with a gusto and a zeal that just lets me know, honey, by the time this thing forms on the inside of them, these truths that they're going after, that they will manifest as powerful diva on the best kind of level. Not one that's insisting on being served, but one that is at the top of the game. And they are expressing the power of God. I mean, I am, I'm just like blessed, blessed and blessed again as I listen to my sisters and as we are learning from the Holy Spirit and teaching each other. And then there are others of you, I'm not currently in touch that way, but if I talk to you by email or text message or phone, I'm still hearing the same thing. I'm still hearing a refusal to fold and a refusal to quit. So to answer the question, how do you show people that have believed that God or Jesus is a wimp based upon what it is, point to the testimonies that you see around you that's what you hear from people that do not know their god but the bible says daniel chapter 11 but the people who know their god they are strong and they shall do exploits for him and they speak the things that he says about himself i'm the greater one greater one see muhammad ali was not the one i'm the greatest and he was amazing but he wasn't jesus but we've got Jesus on the inside and he can be amazing and the greatest flowing through us. I got more questions? Comments? Whatever. There's people saying, yes, we are. <laughs> Strong arm, like little. Oh, yay. That's a sounding love? Uh -huh. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, I think I can do a, a slight switch here because I think I'm talking about Passover pretty much um, the way it is. So if anybody has a prayer request, then go ahead and, and put that down too. If you're asking me to please pray for your families, we're doing that. Um, you know, but you can you can throw it out there and, and, and do that. But the things that are like, we're, we're praying for the people of America. Because I'm saying the same thing about the state of California. It's a shift. Some of the prophetic words are talking about in this Passover season, this is the turnaround. And I heard one prophet say, this is the time that the angel name turnaround has been assigned mm -hmm. to the nations to yes. do. Because many, many times, it's, sometimes it's a singular angel and sometimes it's a squad of angels with that assignment. And that they're turning things in the direction. And, and, and that you're going to hear out of more and more mouths. Because understand... We, we serve God, not a political party, but you're going to hear out of dissenters against, uh, which have brought about splits and, and, and divisions in the nation. But you're going to start hearing unity. You're going to start hearing the voice of the people yes. ceasing and desisting on the inside to keep perpetuating. I on purpose said all those big words. They're going to quit acting like they, uh, that they're entitled to be a victim. And we're going to cease to promote the agenda of victimizing the citizens of America based on skin or whatever it happens to be. You're going to see that children are going to return to school without this alternative gender um, agenda continuing to be promoted because the Bible is being taught with creation and identity to a group of people that have for too long been just referred to by the world and unfortunately also by the body of Christ as the millennial generation, the godless people, the ones that don't know what to believe, the fickle and the and, and, and the and the floaters and, and all of these things that they were being left alone to just go ahead and and and, and raise yourself. But the Bible says you train that child up until they are grown, until they are strong enough to stand with the standard of heaven, with the standards of the kingdom. More and more you will hear the message of the kingdom of God as opposed to the promotion, self-promotion of a religious agenda or a denominational creed but instead it will be the only creed that we have which is the creed of heaven the creed of jesus christ the foundation of which was set when he said seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you the kingdom of god has come thy kingdom come your reign come god and your reign be established you will see us pulling from the invisible realm of heaven in, into the seen realm that already does of God. This is what you're going to see. You'll see a resurgence of truth, not religious agenda, because religion doesn't do anything but mess you up. You see, but truth and righteousness causes promotion and health, growth of the body, edifying or building up of people, giving them value that they have not known. 
actually exposing works of wickedness, a cessation of abortions, and promoting the agenda of shut down the church but keep killing the babies. That ends. See, that's a, that's a done deal, you hear? And you will see the manifestation of it. Because when we speak in spirit terms, we call those things which don't appear to be so as though they were because that's what they're becoming. We point to the future and we say, this is what you're destined for. These things are destined to die. These things are destined to be uh, to crumble in the dust. But the babies will live and the children will know their identity. And there is a generation of men and women and boys and girls that rise up and call, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you'll see the healings that happen throughout. And all of these other demonic serpents that had been set loose, the rod of, of Aaron is released. It's the rod of Jesus Christ to swallow them up. It's biblical. Yes, ma'am. Prayer request. I got a prayer request. The shutdown of the adversary in New York City and New York State and the declaration that the majesty of the kingdom of God is revealing itself right now person by person, block by block, neighborhood by neighborhood. The total outpouring of the sons of God, the body of Christ, is the body of Christ. I agree. And that's done. Because it's not a prayer. That's a declaration. Mm -hmm. And we agree with you, right? Yes. Okay, well, there's two of us here. If you agree with what you said and you're not just asking, then you start thanking God that that's exactly what you see because that lines up with what he said. This is my nation. This is my country. I am the God. He says, I am the God of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. That's why the eagle flies. That's why the vision has been of the lion of the tribe of Judah walking across the nation. Yes. That's why the eagle has been flying for not liberty and justice according to the world, but the liberty of the Holy Spirit and the justice of the God who is known as Elohim Mispah. Okay, the God of justice, speaking to the earth, telling it, you give up the secrets, you give up those hidden riches. This is the time that the turn has come. And I, we have a sister that she's always, oh, turn around, turn around, turn around. So Chrissy, this is the time. Proclaim it. Keep saying it. And those that are assigned to that same proclamation, speak it. If you, whatever you're calling, whatever your specific area of ministry and intercession speak with the prophets of God that have been assigned in that arena over that um, region to speak say what's being said say what God has said so that it's a, again I'm gonna go back to it again it's a pressure it's a force of the truth of God keep pushing and pushing and pushing this agenda of heaven Heaven's agenda pushes out and rids the world of the filth and contamination of the demonic. This is the season for this, where the world is looking and saying, wow, I didn't know the church was like this at all. They say, well, so many, they've been leaving the church in, in, in droves. You know, there's just group after group of people that are dis disheartened and leaving the church. That's only because you didn't know Jesus. It's the only reason, you know, you did not know him and the Jesus that you tried to buy into or that somebody told you that he was, which was a false thing. 
he wasn't coming up to scratch. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do because he was not capable of it because the true Jesus Christ is not the Jesus of your imagination and not the Jesus of your whims and not the Jesus that people preach as a powerless wimp. That's not who he is. So of course he didn't meet your expectations. But now is your time to be drawn by the Spirit of God because we speak what he said, that none can come unto the Father except the Spirit draws them expressly. And we pray to the Lord of the harvest to cause the fields that are white with harvest to be that the laborers will go forth. And we are the laborers to go forth and to gather them, to tell them the truth about the good news, the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, according to Luke chapter four, where Jesus said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He is, he has called me. Let me just read it this way. He said, he's called me to um, heal the brokenhearted, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to say the things that the Lord is saying, that God is saying. I'll go to Luke four. Okay. I'll just do that. Okay. He said, the spirit of the Lord upon me because God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and to recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a hero. He said this day, because it said that he sat down. And he said, in the eyes of all the people that were in the, in the synagogue were upon him because the rabbi had just read the text and now he was getting ready to proclaim the truth. And he said to them, as he started, he said, he began by saying, or he began to say, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I hear? He said, today you're about to see that the blind later, they said, John the Baptist, uh, the baptizer, the immerser sent him when he was in prison. Are you the one or should they be looking for another? You go tell John that the blind are recovering their sight, that they're hearing, that the things that I said that I was sent to do is happening. And that allowed John, when he was beheaded, he, he knew, he knew, okay, it's all right. It's all right. I stood for what I stood for. The one that I was sent to speak ahead of has come and they're not taking my life. I have eternity now with him. You see, the, the, it's counting your life on heaven's terms, measuring yourself on heaven's terms instead of on the earth's valuation system, which is not a valuation system. It's a devaluating of your life and your rights and your privileges and your identity. And it's not acceptable. Okay. Does that work for our our requester? Thank, thank you. Oh, you got an agreement um, also in New York. I, I agree also. Okay, so we got it. That's done. Anybody else? We're about to wrap it up. I get energized by this word. I got to tell you, I do. I, I'm like, okay, everybody, welcome. It's Wednesday, and here we go. And then we start talking about my favorite person, Jesus. I also love the Holy Spirit and I love the Father. So we're talking about God all together. And honey, I just light up. <laughs> I seriously do because this word is real and it is true. And the more we talk about it, the more he starts to show his life coming through us. We have all things 
to richly enjoy. We have this word and we have the love of God. So I'm going to end tonight with um, something that I started sharing on Sunday in Biblical Solutions for Life. Um, what I, I've been talking about, I'm pretty sure I'm going to talk about the resurrection on Sunday. Um, but I have been crying, weeping a bit as I think about the way that the Spirit of the Lord postures himself for us. You're experiencing, you may have been feeling hit by all of the, the madness of the world. You may have been feeling um, like you've been forgotten, but you're not. You've been feeling what you feel, but it doesn't mean that what you feel is the truth. The Bible says that the testimony that the truth revealed by and of Jesus is a release of the spirit of prophecy and that we are inspired to keep telling whoever will hear what the Lord has done. You tell people what the Lord has done because it's the truth and it shows them that God will do it for whoever. Healing is available to you. If you are suffering from a sickness or some kind of symptoms on your body from head to toe, from inside to outside, and you've been told that you have to buy a medication or that you that there is no hope for you. I'm here to tell you that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has already authored your recovery and your wholeness and your healing. And if you say, well, if I were a Christian, I could see where God would. Or if I weren't in sin, I could see it. Uh, I want to say to you that there is nothing that you can do to get it except take it. That you don't have to qualify for it. Jesus never healed a single Christian. Not one. Nobody was saved at the time that Jesus of Nazareth was walking the earth because he's the door to salvation and he was still walking among the people. So all those people that you read about or heard about, the, the, the little girl that was raised from the dead and Lazarus that was raised from the dead and, and the young man at the funeral that was raised from the dead, the woman that had had the issue of blood, the women that were filled with demons and got set free, the man that was on the island, I talked about him last week in Mark chapter 5, that, that had the legion of demons and, and, and he got set free. Um, the, the little headaches, the this, the that, whoever, wherever. Peter's mother-in-law with the fever. And then there's so many. The servant of the Roman soldier, the Roman soldier, the enemy, if you would, the oppressor who said that I'm coming to you to do because I've seen how you operate. And I believe that if you say this, my servant will be healed. It was intercession. Sent the word. Psalm 107, 20 says he sent the word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction, delivered them. I'm saying all this to say to you, you can be healed right now by the power of the word that we send it forth in the name of Jesus from your head to your feet, your headaches, your uh, being plagued on the inside, stomach issues, dizziness, nausea, whatever it happens to be, back aches, knees, um, cancer, 
a stroke, heart attack, the, 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 the remnants of that COVID-19 and every other thing that would come against the human bodies. We release the power that comes by way of the name of Jesus, which is releasing the power of God's unconditional love to you right now. We release the power that comes by way of the blood of Jesus that says that you are forgiven, you are healed, you are loved, you are desired. We release the joy of the Lord, which is your strength in you. We say that the feeble knees are strengthened, that the backs are straight, that the demonic plagues that have been against you, we speak the blood of Jesus against those things. We declare you to be whole. We declare you to be healed. We charge your atmosphere with the blood of Jesus to clean up the contaminants in the air. We say that this is the will of God for you and it is our honor to release what he desires into your life. Receive it. You are healed. You are whole. You are free in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. See, we bear witness of the overcoming power and the truth about Jesus. Somebody there where you felt tight, just go ahead and start moving. I'm going to suggest do something. You know, it's like if I'm healed, then I can eat that sandwich or if I'm whatever, because you are and you can't. And no, you don't have to be saved to, to receive that. That upsets a lot of people's religion. But Jesus said the same thing to the ones that tried to say all that mess in the Bible. You know, I'm not concerned about whether or not you, believe, uh, you think that um, what I'm saying is right. I'm more concerned with the fact that this is what God wants men to hear. And women. And boys. And girls. You see, that God wants you well. And you don't have to, and you could not pay for it. Jesus already did. Woohoo! So, we bear witness of the overcoming power and truth about Jesus. And that's what we've done tonight. We have given witness of his name, of his blood, of his power, of his death, and his burial. And on Sunday, we'll talk about his death, burial, and resurrection. So, those are the things that I want you to know because I am a sower of the word I'm a doer of the word and I'm a worshiper of the word and that's what I've done tonight so I want to say thank you to you for joining us tonight I'm going to speak to Astounding Love and let it be known yes we're receiving tithes and offerings and seeds and trades or whatever it is that you want to do uh, those that are watching you can go to www.astoundinglove.com dot org slash donation and it should take you to the page or scroll down to the bottom and it's there and if you want to give into this then feel free to do so if you have questions that did not get answered or something else you can uh, email us at contact us at astoundinglove.org and we will get back to you we want to say hi to someone that did respond to us last week and we're checking on you because we were so excited about the goodness of God and in this last minute I want to say this that all you have to do, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, and uh, 13, that whoever will call upon, whoever believes in their heart, Jesus is Lord, or confesses with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believes in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Verse 13 says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's not a long prayer. You can simply say, Jesus I believe that you are Lord. Save me. And he does. 
just like that. It's not a long thing. Don't try to take a shower before you take a bath. Just receive and let him be the one to cleanse you. Don't try to clean yourself up. And then if you've done that tonight, email us because we need to talk. We want to help you. We want to tell you more about this Jesus that is true as opposed to anything else that you've ever heard. So having said that, Father, we receive all the seed that is sown and we praise you and thank you for the multiplication of your word and the manifestation of your desires for your people as they have given. It is given unto them good measure, shaken together or pressed down, shaken together overflowing into the works into the desires into the lives of the people and i thank you so much that whoever has called upon you tonight that salvation has come into the lives of many and those that are in the san jose area we, we were happy to receive you when you, when the doors are open again physically for you to come so i want to say thank you to remind you yes we are having our um sunday service it's still virtual at this time but at 9.45 and at 11.45, we are doing celebration of resurrection and of first fruits. And Astounding Love, you already have your instructions. The rest of you, just join us online because our Apostle Dr. Baker is going to do what she does. And I'm going to do my part too, as is Minister Dory and whoever else in our skeleton crew, because I think there'll be nine of us that are there. So I want to thank you tonight for joining us. I want to say thank you to Crystal for chiming in. Thank you to New York. Thank you to uh, North Carolina, if you're there, uh, to Southern California, New Jersey, um, every state in the, in the United States of America, to our friends in Canada or Australia or wherever else, or France or wherever else it is that you happen to be. Thank you for joining us tonight. I am Pastor Lundzine Lee of Astounding Love, a Global Church Fellowship. Again, 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California. Our phone number is 408-945-4439 and our website is www.astoundinglove.org. Say what? Thank Dr. And thank you, Dr. Baker, <laughs> for being a part. Our apostle was online tonight. That's awesome. She's my mother and she's taught me everything I know pretty much. And a lot of what I said, I probably took it from her, but that's okay. This <laughs> is a poetic license. So we love you with God's astounding love and we'll see you next time. Good night. Good night, everybody. Yay. Hallelujah. <laughs>